Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for So now we are in Judges 10. Judges 10 about Israel's restoration. We had just read that the curse of Jotham had just claimed Abimelech and some of the people of Shechem that had backed up his murder. They had approved of it and decided to get under his rule. And they all got to fighting with each other, just like Jotham predicted that they would. And so that curse of God caught up to him for the evil that he had done. So now we're in Judges 10 and 1. After Abimelech, there arose to save Israel, Tola, the son of Pua, the son of Dodo, a man of Issachar. And he dwelt in Shamir in the mountains of Ephraim. He judged Israel 23 years, and he died and was buried in Shamir. Okay, so very little is known about Tola. He barely gets any mention at all. But the fact that he does get a mention at all means he must have done some good for Israel. I mean, imagine if you had a mention in the Bible, that meant you you did something. But 23 years here that he, he uh, led Israel, that's no small task. Now, Tola, in his passages here, there's no mention of any foreign oppressors for him to have to deal with that we know of. And so what we're left with is the fact that Tola's job was to fix the big mess that Abimelech had made. Verse 1 does say, after Abimelech, after Abimelech, Tola arose to save Israel. So so, somebody had to come in after Abimelech to restore everything. Now, as bad as things were, after all the thousands of people that were murdered, all the destruction, the deliberate evil that had spun out of control, somebody had to come and get things back in godly order again. And so don't just let a couple of verses, well, it's a couple of verses, you know, don't cause that to make you overlook this huge task that Tola had to deal with. I mean, we're not skipping rocks across water. We're trying to go down deep. So you get down deep in the verses, you see he had 23 years of repair work to do. He had to come in and save Israel. And he didn't come in to save Israel from external trouble. Again, no foreign oppressors. It was not an external problem, but it was from Israel's own internal strife that Abimelech had started. It was a civil war within. So hats off to Tola for his work of restoration for Israel's internal conflict. Now Judges 10 and 3. After him arose Jair, a Gileadite, and he judged Israel 22 years. Now he had 30 sons who rode on 30 donkeys. They also had 30 towns which are called Haveth Jair to this day, which are in the land of Gilead. And Jair died and was buried in Cayman. So Jair here, he had noble status, which means he had somewhat of a high social or 
political status. And the reason that we know he had this political, this noble status is because of the mention that his sons each had a donkey in a town of their own. This makes me remember back to Judges 5 and 10 from the Song of Deborah. If you remember where it says, Speak, you who ride on white donkeys, who sit in judges' attire. And it says, Those who walk along the road. So what that song was speaking about was both those in positions of stature, which are those who ride on white donkeys and sit in judges' attire. That's people of stature and the people who were poor that had to walk. And so the 30 sons having a donkey and a town each, it indicates that Jair is a rich man and he has great influence. Now, this is not prosperity preaching here. (laughs) I do not preach prosperity preaching because prosperity uh, preaching says that you get to gain for yourself and keep for yourself. That's not biblical prosperity. Biblical prosperity is that God gives to you if you are a giver to sow it back into the kingdom. It's not so that you can get rich and have bigger houses, cars, and boats. It's for putting back into the kingdom. And so that's what we see of Jair here. He he actually used what he had to lead Israel. He didn't keep it all just for him. It was for he put it back into the kingdom work. But often God makes people rich because he knows they're going to use what they have to put into the kingdom. Now, I know what I just said really struck some of you. Oh, God makes people rich. Oh, I love that. See, you're thinking self-gain. Don't think self-gain. What I'm getting at is God often makes people rich because he knows those people are going to sow into the kingdom. That's that's how that worked in Jair's case. Now, I've used that verse from Ecclesiastes 2 and 26 many times before. You won't hear a prosperity preacher ever quote this verse from Ecclesiastes 22:26 that says that God gives to those who are good, but sinners have the job of gathering and collecting, hello, does that sound like the prosperity gospel today? Sinners have the job of gathering and collecting so that they will give that to the one who is good. Now, how is a sinner going to give to the one who is good? Well, a number of ways. They're either going to get saved and repent and start giving to those who are good, or if they die, all that money ends up in somebody else's pocket somehow, right? So again, I'm not going prosperity preaching here because that's the style that says you get to keep what you gain. Biblical prosperity is where God gives to those who will sow it back into the kingdom for the building up of others. Now, Jair, he had power and influence, but he didn't blow his money on himself. Verse 3, if you've got your... You know, if you listen to this radio station uh, and hear me talking, have your Bible out as we go along. Don't just listen to me. Have your Bible. We're in Judges 10, okay? But if you look at Judges 10 and verse 3, it says he led Israel. This means he utilized his time, his resources, his money, what he had for his fellow Israelites. And he apparently did a good job of it because Israel had done well under him for a full 22 years. Now, we also know that Jair did well because his 30 sons had 30 towns that were still in existence by the time the author wrote this chapter because it says they still are those towns are still there today at when at the time he wrote it and so not only did Israel experience prosperity but they were able to build things that last 
They could build things that last. The towns of the sons were still there, the author says, so they could build things that last. So, Tola led Israel with restoration, brought them back out of the mess, and Jair led Israel with high position, with lasting productivity, and they built things that last. Two different things about Tola and Jair and the similarities, though, that they led Israel. One with restoration and one with productivity, fruitfulness, okay? These very very few verses here about Tola and Jair, it makes it real easy to miss an important point because this is just a few things. Well, we'll just read over the top of it and on we go. No, hang on a minute. Slow down. (laughs) Take your time. It's easy to skip over the top of verses like this because there's not much written. But there's a huge amount of time in this span right here. Tola led for 23 years. Jair led for 22. That's a combined 45 good and prosperous years that Israel has been able to enjoy. That's uh, that's a long time. All because the Lord had given Israel leadership that held them to God's standard, to God's word. That's the key to this here. That's the key to this success. You want to know what the key to real success is, to real biblical prosperity? It's that you need to be led and lead in godly ways. These two men here, Tola and Jerah, they were godly men that led Israel, and they led Israel God's way. But look closely to where it says how Tola and Jerah led. Verses 2 and 3 tell us how they led. It says they judged Israel. They judged Israel. They were judges. Their authority was that of a judge. A judge in that time of Israel is kind of like our president of the United States is. That's what they were back then, as they were called judges. They led the nation. So how was Tola and Jer's authority different from the authority of Abimelech, who just had recently messed everything up? Well, Abimelech, he seized his authority. He took it by murder and by force. He used destruction to try to be a king. Abimelech didn't try to be a judge. He wanted to be a king. Abimelech tore everything down, and his rule of destruction only lasted three years. But Tola and Jair built up and restored Israel through 45 good years. My point here is this. Authority that is given is better than authority that is taken. Authority that's given is better than authority that's taken. You know, dictators, we've seen them come and go through history. Um, Dictators will take and destroy. They have no good intentions. They are selfish. They're only in it for their own gain. But godly men like Tola and Jer, they built people up rather than tear, tear them down. Now, what we see in these few verses is that God delivered Israel out from oppression and into peace through servant leaders who had a heart like that of God. So now Judges 10 and 6. Then the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals and and the Ashtoreths, the gods of Syria, the gods of Sidon, the gods of Moab, the gods of the people of Ammon, and the gods of the Philistines, and they forsook the Lord and did not serve him. Guys, doesn't this just absolutely break your heart to see them going this way again? 45 years, though, 
that's enough time to forget all the good things that God has done. You've got a whole new generation of people now that have forgotten what God has done in that time of 45 years. And this is exactly why Israel is going to fall back down into another downward spiral again. And here they go. They forsook the Lord and did not serve him. And so you see the list of these other false gods that they served. It also, in these passages in verse 6, it gives us the, the people groups that invented those gods. Invented, I said, because they're not real. They made them up. What this means is that Israel started wanting to be like everybody else. They stopped being unique unto God. The word holy means set apart. Set apart. God wants his people to be unique and set apart for him. Yes, when you're set apart for God, it's going to make you look different. (laughs) But that's holiness. That's what being holy is. And Israel stopped being holy because they wanted to be like everybody else. And so they served their gods to be like them. Israel lost their holiness. Judges 10 and 7. So the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hands of the Philistines and into the hands of the people of Ammon. From that year, they harassed and oppressed the children of Israel for 18 years. All the children of Israel who were on the other side of the Jordan and in the land of the Amorites in Gilead. Moreover, the people of Ammon crossed over the Jordan to fight against Judah also, against Benjamin, and against the house of Ephraim, so that Israel was severely distressed. Okay, so here goes the same pattern all over again. I mean, we've seen this before. Man is sinful, he turns away from God, and it gets gets man into trouble every single time. And so it says that God sold them. I really hope you see that. Do you see that? This is a major point. It says that God, S-O-L-D, he sold them. What does it make you think of when somebody sells someone off into oppression? Makes you think of slavery, doesn't it? Slavery. I mean, you, you almost say the word and people get upset. It's, it's like one of those no-no words. Don't say that today. But it says here that God sold them. I want you to hear something that Jesus said in John 8 and 34. Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Let me say that again. Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. You know, Israel sinned themselves into slavery. They sinned their ways right in, in their way right into it, and God sold them. Now, that's quite a tough thing to think of God doing, because people say, well, that's not my God. My God would never do that. Well, the God you invented would not do that, but the God of the Bible did. God is very strict and severely wrathful against sin. He sold Israel off. And, and to my friends out there who are Gentiles, I'm a Gentile too. If God would do this to his own people, the Jews, what do you think he would do to us Gentiles? Do you think we'd be any better off for sinning? No. He'd do the same thing to, to us. If he did it to them, he would certainly do it to us too. So get right with Jesus. Get repentant of your sin. So he sold Israel off, and the oppression starts back up all over again in Judges 10 and 10. 
And the, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, saying, We have sinned against you, because we have forsaken our God and served the Baals. So the Lord said to the children of Israel, Did I not deliver you from the Egyptians and from the Amorites and from the people of Ammon and from the Philistines? Also, the Sidonians and Amalekites and Maonites oppressed you, and you cried out to me, and I delivered you from their hand. Yet you have forsaken me and served other gods. Therefore, I will deliver you no more. Go and cry out to the gods which you have chosen. Let them deliver you in your time of distress. Wow, can you imagine hearing those words from God himself? I will deliver you no more. Can you imagine hearing that? Hearing this, if God said this to me, it would just, it would suck the breath right out of me. So what do we do now? What do we do now? They're probably thinking. Well, there's one thing here that Israel did right. Did you catch it? It's something they did that was right that we really need to catch. They confessed. They confessed. They said, we have sinned against you. We have forsaken our God and served the Baals. Israel just confessed their sin. For real. They didn't just... Oh, we're sorry, God. No, they gave specifics. They didn't only say they messed up. They specified what they did. We have forsaken God and served the Baals. They're they're getting real. You know, God's not playing around here. And so Israel isn't playing around either. But you watch what they do next. This is so good. Judges 10 and 15. And the children of Israel said to the Lord, We have sinned. Do to us whatever seems best to you. Only deliver us this day, we pray. So they put away the foreign gods from among them and served the Lord. And his soul could no longer endure the misery of Israel. Friends, we really have to pay close, sharp attention to the fact that their confession of sin was so sorrowful. It was so genuine and so desperate that they actually followed up their repentance, their confession. They followed it by getting the false gods out of their lives, and they got back to serving God. They turned it around. They didn't just say, oh, we're sorry, we're sorry, we're sorry, like most people do, and they don't put any action behind it. They confessed with detail, showing that they knew what they did wrong, and they did the necessary work required to live it out to actually turn back the other way, back to serving God again. They really got real with it. Their repentance produced an authentic change. When they confessed their sin, they proved that they meant it by getting real and doing it. Now, that's what a healthy fear of the Lord will do to you. It'll get you real with God real quick. Now, in their repentance here, man, I I can just see... Lots of altars being torn down. I can see idols being smashed into pieces. People hurrying frantically through their tents and and digging out everything that rivals against the Lord and destroying it. Gone. Throw it off the cliff. Throw it off a mountain. Smash it with hammers, whatever. They're getting it out of their lives. Israel is quickly moving back to holiness again. That's so good. Judges 10 and 17. Then the people of Ammon gathered together and encamped in Gilead. 
And the children of Israel assembled together and encamped in Mizpah. And the people, the leaders of Gilead, said to one another, Who is the man who will begin the fight against the people of Ammon? He shall be head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. Now, in the Bible, when a people encamps against another people, that signals the intention to fight. That means we're going to come and fight you. But there's a big problem here. God said, I will deliver you no more. And so our now, these now repentant Israelites, they realize something. We need to find somebody that'll fight for us. They're repentant and they're getting right, but we got we, we to find somebody. Now, in the past, God sent Israel a prophet. In the past, God raised up somebody like Joshua and, and Gideon, people who would fight for Israel. But now, God said, I'm not going to keep doing that anymore. I'm not doing it anymore. So now Israel has to look. Israel has to look. God already sent. Now Israel has to seek. Who is the man who will begin this fight? Who will deliver us? You know, I want to wrap up this chapter with some thoughts for you to consider for your own life. Abimelech, he had come and done a lot of damage, and he messed a lot of things up and caused Israel to fall into sin. Tola came with restoration. Jair came with power and riches, nobility. And together, both men used the authority that was, hello, given to them. They didn't steal it. Tola and Jair had their authority given. They used the authority that was given to them to build others up. Tola and Jair were judges. They were not kings. This means that their authority was given to them by the nations, by, by the nation of Israel. Dictators like Abimelech are those who seize authority. They take it. Big difference. Now, even Satan one time, he tried to take God's authority, but both Satan and Abimelech fell for that attitude. I mean, it's a bad attitude to try to steal authority. You're going to go down for that. You cannot trust authority. Thieves. The authority thieves because their attention, their intention is self-gain at the expense of others. You can't trust them. They're in it for themselves. However, you can trust somebody that has been given authority because their intention is going to be for the selfless gain of others at their own expense. Tola and Jer, they gave their own expense to build up others. They had been given authority. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18, he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Friends, Jesus is trustworthy. This is why you can trust him. He's been given that authority by the Father God. He did not come to tear you down. He came to raise you up and not at your expense. Jesus died on the cross for you at his own expense. Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man, that's Jesus, did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You know, Tola and Jer, they exercised their authority and their wealth to restore Israel back again, back from the damage of Israel's inner conflict. Now, Jesus used his authority to restore you back from the damage of your own inner conflict of sin. Thank you. 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.